We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by bet rivers sportsbook good morning chicago and welcome inside the clubhouse we interrupt this march madness weekend to bring you a little baseball anticipation the first official day of spring optimism definitely in the air along with some warmer weather and we are 12 days away from opening day i am david haw joined until 11 o'clock by Bruce Levine. Good morning, Bruce. Welcome inside the clubhouse. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, David, and good morning permanently to inside the clubhouse. You, like many others in the past, have made the fatal mistake of to do this show with me every Saturday morning from 9 to 11, 52 weeks out of the year, talking to the greatest fans in the world, the Chicago baseball fans. So uh, it's uh, welcome to you. And uh, we're going to continue to have fun. You've been doing this show for the last five weeks, and we've uh, enjoyed it. And today we will bring you uh, what we usually bring, and that is the best uh, Chicago baseball, White Sox, and Cubs information, the best guests, and uh, open lines for you at 312-644-6767, which also happens to be our text line. That's right, Bruce. We are going to be here until 11, hopefully interacting with a lot of listeners. And we have some great guests along the way here at Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, we have Beth Moens, who's making history today as the first woman to uh, broadcast a Cubs game, the first woman in Cubs history on the Marquee Sports Network at 930. Will join us at 10 o'clock, our old buddy Rich King, former WGN fixture and now working for WhiteSox.com, has seen a lot of the White Sox out in Arizona at 10 o'clock. And then at 1045, looking forward to this conversation, Ethan Katz, the young pitching coach. You think he ever gets tired of being referred to as a young pitching coach, Bruce, but he will join us at 1045 and talk about the progress he has made with this deep and talented and youngish White Sox bullpen and pitching staff. So this is going to be a good way to kind of start to get toward the idea, Bruce, we have been in Chicago immersed in Beardom and this past week of decisions by Ryan Pace that haven't gone so well. We have been 
uh, also immersed in the March Madness, the basketball tournament, college basketball state championship Sunday, Loyola versus Illinois. That's going to be a great matchup. But here we are, here we are with the Cubs and the White Sox getting closer to opening day, uh, both teams coming off playoff seasons, and there's still a lot of hope and anticipation, Bruce. What has been, in your mind, the biggest development for each team this week as we get closer to opening day? Well, I, I think the biggest development for the White Sox, you know, certainly is the implementing, uh, you know, Asmani Grandal and in, back into the lineup. That That's such an important uh, facet of the team. And uh, with Grandal's uh, knee injury, he hadn't played um, with the team since February 24th in a game. And uh, in a Cactus League game since the Cactus League season started uh, just a few days later. So from all of that, um, you know, Grandal being healthy and ready to catch this team uh, to begin the year, I think is huge. And that first uh, took place uh, yesterday, or um, I'm sorry, on Thursday, uh, when both he and um, Dallas Keuchel made his uh, his attack Cactus League debut. That was done on purpose as well, uh, slow rolling his spring training into games, uh, not not that he had an injury, but certainly protecting an older body and a, and a body that had back issues last year. So those are two of the main elements that I saw in White Sox camp this week. And it's going to be continue to be looked at as far as uh, Grandal's ability to make it on the field every day starting, this, uh, starting in April. Uh, with the Cubs, uh, you know, it's more of um, who will be that fifth starter and uh, – what will the makeup of that bullpen look like uh, after Kimbrel? Kimbrel finally had a, a, a one really good outing uh, with the team after looking bad uh, the beginning of spring training here. And not that anybody counts spring training stats, but um, Kimbrel's trying to regain his closers role. So as good as he was, David, at the end of last year, where he didn't give up a run in 13 of his last 14 appearances, he never regained the closer's role. Jeffress was the closer on the team last year. And uh, it was be because uh, Kimbrell blew it the beginning of the year, not able to uh, retain that role. And uh, although he incrementally came back and pitched well, uh, you know, the season is going to be looking really hard at, um, you know, Kimbrell and whether or not he's going to be able to uh, be the man at the end. I, I think that's such a, a, a big part of what the Cubs are going to be looking at uh, as that bullpen is evolving kind of with a no-name bullpen going into 2021. The Sox have so much talent that I think you're right. I think depth and health are going to be so important, especially when it comes to Grandal. With the Cubs, the bullpen is going to be the issue that we continue to get a lot of mileage out of because we're going to talk about it, I think, all year long. And so those are the big picture, I think, elements that uh, of uncertainty as we kind of get closer to opening day. Bruce, this past week we had the, the appearance of a couple veteran uh, pitchers on each side of town that I thought was very interesting. And, and, and I guess in the Cubs' case, you hope that, that Jake Arrieta's outing was a sign of better things to come, uh, of good things to come. And in the Sox case, you hope that Dallas Keuchel's debut was an aberration. And the expectation is that it was because – Let's start there. He, he went out for the first inning, didn't really look comfortable, didn't really have it. It was a little bit, I don't want to say miffed, but he did not react well to being pulled out of the game in the first inning. And then because of the spring training rules, he went back. So 
there was a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, uncertainty, uh, maybe some confusion. Um, but Dallas Keuchel is going to have better days. But when he made his Sox debut the other day, that was not one that uh, he will want to remember. And he'll probably get, he'll w- flush that out, move on. But what was your impression of, of what we should make of that? Uh, just that he's healthy and got work. Uh, yeah, there was. You, you're absolutely right, David. There was tremendous confusion because uh, Keiko admitted uh, on a Zoom after uh, his outing that he didn't understand the rule. So when Larusa came out to get him after he'd already given up uh, four runs and uh, just a third of an inning, he was miffed because uh, as he knows and as we know, it's the amount of work you get uh, in spring training, not necessarily the results, especially for a veteran pitcher that we know is gonna pitch well. So this was his first outing of spring training in the Cactus League. It wasn't going well. He wasn't commanding at all. He had walked two guys, hit a guy. And when he came out, he went to the dugout and he was upset until uh, Ethan Katz, who will be our guest at 1045 today, the pitching coach, told him, hey, you're going back in next inning. So he he didn't even understand the rule of of, uh, being able to uh, come out of a game and go back in during spring training, which is... I think a great rule for spring training. I, I, I like that idea that you don't have a, a starting pitcher who gets into trouble, you know, just blow through 30 pitches and then he's done for the day. You get him out of there quicker, then he can come back and get his work in, build up to his 75 to 90 pitches, which is where a pitcher must be at uh, before spring training ends. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And I don't think people have, reason to worry too much about Keiko. He has to, like everybody else, just because he's an accomplished veteran, kind of figure out, you know, he's, the ramping up is the term that they like to use, but he is ramping up himself. And over in Cubs camp, Bruce, Jake Arrieta looked pretty sharp. I mean, he had the curveball working, and I thought it was very interesting to hear him talk afterward. And I know you are on all these Zoom calls with the Cubs and the White Sox, and that gives you the insight that you can't get from being there, but this is the next best thing. But when Jake Arrieta spoke the other day, Bruce, just on how, and this is going to be a consistent theme, I think, for him in his second go-around with the Cubs, the evolution from thrower to pitcher, the the focus on, you know, above the shoulders to just what he can do with a dominant right arm. He is a thinking man's pitcher now, and maybe he was before, but he had the stuff that he could always go back and reach back and get that maybe he can't right now, but the other day we just saw a glimpse in a short outing again what he is capable of when everything is working, and it seems as if at this point in time in spring training, everything's working for Jake Arrieta. Well, you know, it's interesting because everybody was uh, worried about the fact that he's not going to throw 94 to 96 anymore, so that that won't necessarily separate his uh, slider from his fastball, but he, he has become a, uh, a pinpoint pitcher, a guy that can command the strike zone and has learned how to pitch uh, more and more each year as some of his stuff has uh, considerably gone down. So uh, that is how you survive in the major leagues. My only concern for Arietta has been injury, which has been something that he's had to deal with over the last three years. Again, if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a, a, an important pitcher. And right now, the way it's slated with only, uh, you know, 10 days or so left until uh, opening day, David, he's slated as the uh, Cubs number two pitcher right behind uh, Kyle Hendricks uh, in between uh, Kyle Davies. So um, that's going to give them a different look there. 
with with him uh, and his stuff being just a little bit more uh, significant um, as far as uh, power pitching than the other two. How much does that surprise you, Bruce? And because when he came over, and I guess what is realistic to expect in terms of number of starts for Jake Arrieta? Because when he came over and signed with the Cubs in free agency, you know, there's obviously the sentimental journey that every Cub fan took in terms of, boy, this is the guy that we remember, and this is a, you know, a Cub legend, if you will. And now, you know, once you have seen what he has to offer, what is a realistic expectation for this season, Jake Arrieta? 30 starts would be a good place to go, David. Wow. If he, if he can, I mean, if he can start 30 games, I mean, that's, that's what he's being paid to do. So, um, you know, that is the goal. Now that said for every pitcher this year, coming off of 12, you know, 11, 12, 13 starts last year and teams wanting to make sure that, uh, there's a durability factor for all the pitchers out there. The innings load will be less, so there'll be there'll be games he throws five, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this used to be a, a six to seven inning pitcher uh, in his heyday. He, uh, you know, he was a seven inning pitcher and a Cy Young Award winner, but uh, that's not what you want. I, I think all the teams are going to be watching uh, the innings loads. Uh, therefore, you're going to continue to see teams go with nine and even ten bullpen guys from time to time, 10 more in the American league where uh, you have the DH. So uh, from, from all of that, um, I think 150 innings, David, I think maybe 160 that, that would probably give you a record with uh, you know, maybe a, a, an 11 and nine record with a 380 to four ERA. I think that would probably well, be, the Cubs that would take be that. ideal. They would take that. You know, that's a good investment. That would be a smart signing. That would be uh, a sign that everything has gone health-wise the way that you needed to go for Jake Arrieta to be successful, Bruce. That would be terrific news if the Cubs can get that out of out of the right-hander. They play later today, by the way. They will be right here on the score. 2.55 is uh, when the broadcast begins with Zach Zaidman and Ron Coomer, our buddies in the booth. Cubs-Rockies today on the score. It's going to be you know, another step closer to opening day. And, Bruce, we, we everybody knows Jake Arrieta. Everybody knows Dallas Keuchel. What I like about spring training, what I find fascinating, maybe this is, you know, part of the reason I, you know, when we look at NFL training camps, I, I, I remember the, you know, the August uh, all-pro players, the guys who, you know, star in Bourbon A for the Bears, but you may never hear from them again. There are always surprises at spring training. There are always guys who maybe – you don't expect to be talking about 12 days before opening day. P.J. Higgins is one of those guys in Cubs camp. P.J. Higgins is a guy that David Ross talked about uh, yesterday. And as Rossi talked about P.J. Higgins, I think it was Friday, the more he talked about P.J. Higgins, a 27-year-old backup catcher, the more I wondered, was he talking about P.J. Higgins or himself at 27? Because (laughs) he said some really complimentary things. And he described a player – this sounded a lot like David Ross was as a player when you talk about what he brings the Cubs behind the plate. Well, I, I you could only hope that he's that good. <laughs> I mean, Dave, David Ross was a career outstanding defensive catcher and, uh, you know, one of the great thinkers of the game. That's how he, he stayed around for 13 years in the big leagues as a backup. Uh, Higgins is more, you know, of a, he's, he's played a whole bunch of different positions and, been in the Cubs system for a while 
uh, kind of a late bloomer here right now. But, uh, you know, this is a necessity thing right now uh, with, with Romine uh, injured and not sure that he'll be back for opening day. He was uh, scheduled to be the backup catcher. So uh, the Cubs are scrambling here and Higgins has uh, stepped up and done a nice job. Uh, I don't yep. like to hear, I David, the thing I don't like to hear is, oh, you know, you, you read the articles from uh, different writers and uh, uh-huh. hear it on commentary, how uh, he is going to be a third baseman and first baseman as well. No, your backup catcher is that. He stays on the bench the entire game uh, without being used uh, to be sure that you have a second catcher in case your starting catcher gets hurt. That's why he's there, right? He's there. Yeah, to not to play third or first. For, yeah, to to back up your starter, and, and when he's not backing up your starter, he's studying the the way the other pitchers are approaching hitters, and he's doing his due diligence. I don't look at him as a utility guy, but he if he's on this team, is to back up Wilson Contreras and to, to wait until Austin Romine is ready and to provide some sort of you know comfort level. Twelfth round pick out of Old Dominion, not a guy that you expected to be. You know, in the mix necessarily, yeah. uh, but but they're not ready for Mel- Miguel Amaya, the the prospect. Um, and there's no use really having him on the roster as opening day approaches. Is there, Bruce? I mean, that that's the thought process there, and he might not be ready anyway. No, he he has you know he hasn't played over uh, over a ball. He's going to go to Double A, and uh, if he dominates there and he does well, he'll move up to Triple A. There's there's all kinds of thoughts that he could be in the big leagues this year. Uh, because his game really uh, stepped up at the end of 2019, and he uh, spent uh, a lot of time last year at uh, South Bend, uh, you know, preparing and learning and not playing a lot of games, but uh, intra-squad games. So from all of that, uh, Amaya is a guy that should hit. He's a he's an outstanding catch-throw guy. So watch his ascension because that's not only the key to. Uh, to backing up uh, the Cubs this year and being a part of the team toward the end of the season, but also uh, the reality that uh, Contreras will go into his last year, his walk year in 2022. And Contreras seems to be going into this season looking as, as like you want him to be looking two weeks before opening day. He looks pretty sharp, Bruce. He looks like a guy ready for a big season. You mentioned Yasmani Grandal and the injury concerns surrounding you know, his season and, and the fact that he needs to, you know, stay in the lineup for the White Sox. But the the Cubs uh, are in a position where, and I think both teams, they're blessed with catching. And it starts with the starters and Wilson Contreras having himself quite a spring. Yeah, he is. And, you know, the fascinating part of um, both his ascension to 2021 opening day and Grandal is that, both managers, Tony La Russa with the White Sox, David Ross with the Cubs, are considering having their catchers uh, be their number two hitters for the lion's share of the beginning of the season. And that's interesting because it's a rarity when a catcher uh, bats as high in the lineup. But you have, a, you have a switch hitting catcher with the White Sox and power from both sides that intrigues La Russa as a number two hitter. And with uh, Contreras... You have a guy that has good on-base percentage, hits the ball the other way with authority, as you saw his third ball, a third home run of the season go out of the park yesterday. And, um, you know, very athletic guy. So from all of that, um, you know, it brings back uh, thoughts of 
the Chicago White Sox in, in 1983 when La Russa all of a sudden grabbed uh, Carlton Fisk, a middle-of-the-order hitter, made him his number two hitter, and the, the White Sox took off and separated themselves 20 games from wow. second-place Rangers. That's going way back, Bruce. I didn't even make the connection to Fisk in 83, but that's a good comparison. So that, when did yeah, that's happen? what I'm here for. That's why Mitch has me sitting here, only because uh, they, they don't need to Google. They just, you know, they, you know. You, you look at me, or, or you look at Grabstein, and there's the there's the answer for you. But it, it's a, uh, you know, he was a guy, you know, big guy. People thought was a lumbering guy. He was probably the best base runner uh, this side of uh, Rudy Law on the uh, 1983 Chicago White Sox. So being an outstanding base runner and Contreras is as well, and uh, a fast runner are two different things. You're good. It's a good point. You're not used to seeing catchers at the top of the batting order first or second there there tends to be the exception to the rule I guess that's old school thinking but it is traditional uh, that you think of your catcher maybe lower in the lineup this is going to be something the fun to watch I think Grandal fits at number two for the White Sox makes sense and and Contreras that's a bit of a surprise I wonder if he'll be there all year but it makes sense maybe to start the season that way you know the days of even catchers leading off you wonder if right around the corner that's happened before but it doesn't happen very often so bruce we need to take a break but we have a lot coming up we have uh we have a really good guest list thanks to you and your connections here we have beth moens from the marquee sports network who will make history later today and this season for the chicago cubs we've got rich king at 10 o'clock and we've got ethan katz coming up at 10 45 so stay with us here and also your opinions 312 644 6767 with Bruce Levine. I'm David Haw inside the clubhouse here in Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is 670 The Score, Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station, period. Thanks for keeping us on top, Chicago. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm David Haw with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock, where we are every Saturday talking baseball 52 weeks a year, counting down. To opening day now just 12 days away i know you're excited about the college basketball state championship uh, tomorrow between illinois and loyola i know you're frustrated about the bears and what they have and haven't done in the past week but you know what take take a little two-hour respite get your coffee look over your box scores on mlb.com or wherever you want to find them and start to contemplate the rosters of the cubs and white Sox and what's ahead for what should be, Bruce, a very promising, enjoyable baseball season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, uh, last year was uh, the first time that both the Cubs and White Sox had made the playoffs uh, in the same season since uh, 2008. A lot of people didn't count 2020 as much of a season to, to really get excited about because it was only 60 games. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's there's true optimism on both sides of town, uh, probably more for the White Sox and the Cubs because the Cubs are in the midst of a lot of change and uh, people don't really uh, have a feel for what that rotation is going to look like, what that bullpen is going to look, look like, 
whether some of those superstars are going to be with the team all year long. So there's there's a little bit of anxiety in Cub Nation. White Sox uh, a little bit more assured, I think, David, that uh, people feel that this is their year and they will be uh, they will be competing not only for a division title but for a uh, American League championship. I think you're right, Bruce, and I think the one thing I'm very curious to see is this this excitement over the fact that fans who were deprived the chance to see the Cubs play and the White Sox play in Chicago in 2020. Let's stick with the Cubs for a second. It's been somewhat of an off-season of unrest. There has been that anxiety. There's a lot of angst among Cubs fans, I think, based on at least the way it started and what they weren't doing and how they weren't spending. And I wonder how the excitement and the natural optimism that spring training creates and, and brings – will offset any of that anxiety because this is a still a pretty pretty good team. They're going to be competitive. They're in a division that, you know, I don't know if they're the best team, but they have, you know, if, if certain things fall a certain way, they can feel like they're going to be in it. They still have stars who, if they produce like the backs of their baseball cards, are going to be pretty good. So I wonder how that's going to play out, Bruce, because fans are fans. It's human nature to go into this offseason and be frustrated. And now you get closer, you're like, oh, they make me mad, but I'm still going to watch because I love baseball. Well, you know, I think our next guest here might have a little insight into what that might be all about as well. All right, so let's go out to the El Pomani Ford hotline, El Pomani Ford, Melrose Park on North Avenue or APFord.com. Bruce, our next guest is making history today. We are pleased to bring in Beth Mowens, who will be broadcasting Chicago Cub baseball for the first time in her career and the first woman to broadcast Chicago Cub baseball ever, and we are pleased to bring her in and have her join us on Inside the Clubhouse today. Good morning, Beth. Good morning, Beth. Thanks for having me in the clubhouse, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's our great pleasure to have you on. And much like uh, every manager and player and announcer that I know, um, all the very good ones get butterflies before their firsts. Does Beth Mowens have butterflies before her first broadcast with the Cubs? Abs- absolutely. You know, that, it, and it goes back to, you know, our, our playing days. You, you know, it's, you know, it means something, you know, it's important. Um, and, you know, for me, the goosebumps are a, are a good reminder that there's really nothing better that, that I would want to be doing today. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm excited about it. And I, and I hope, you know, I, I love all the talk about the back of the baseball card guys and, and I hope I can bring the same joy that that was me as a little kid reading the back of those baseball cards with that <laughs> that piece of cardboard gum that I don't know how, but sometimes <laughs> I could make it last two or three days. It, it, I shudder to think about my, my dental uh, bills back in the day. <laughs> well, Beth, let's go back to those days growing up in Syracuse. So certainly, obviously, the Cubs reach was a national one as you were growing up as well. I just wondered – what was your awareness of what the Cubs baseball did it reach out to Syracuse, New York, or, or how did you grow up following baseball and who, who was uh, the team in your heart? So I, I was one of the, I guess the first cable TV kids, right? So, you know, we were home from school in the afternoon and uh, that those were the days where there was still day baseball and, and even the playoffs were, 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 you know, day games. So, I grew up in upstate New York, which is New York Yankee country, and uh, the old days of the Bronx Zoo. 
So um, I, I grew up understanding a, a lot about drama around around the game and and how much fun that could be and and how crazy it could be at times for fans. But that was all. You know, you could catch Yankee games on PIX and Red Sox games on TV 38, and the Braves were on Turner, and and everybody in America knew, you know, Harry Carey and the Cubs, and you know the tradition uh, of Wrigley Field is something even as a youngster you knew about. And, we actually, when we played wiffle ball out in the street, guys, our, our neighbors, you know, they had the, the only pool in the neighborhood, and they happened to line their backyard uh, fence with shrubs. So it was part green monster and, and part ivy uh, when we were playing our wiffle ball games out, out in the outfield. So growing up um, with all brothers uh, obviously was a huge benefit for you, Beth, and the idea that... Uh, either keep up or go off in the corner and do something with your other friends. Uh, obviously, it was a motivating factor. Talk a, a little bit about uh, growing up with brothers and, and how that uh, helped motivate you and, and give you the, the idea that uh, sports would be what you seek as you uh, were an adult. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's real important. Any situation that a person is in that, you would think would be uncomfortable the, the quicker you can become comfortable uh in the gym uh or at the park when you're the only girl around uh that that never bothered me so i think that was a big advantage uh the other thing too uh, you know there were a few other girls in the neighborhood that were that were really good athletes so i i did have some other girls to run with and, and all the guys in the neighborhood it was no big deal to be playing with the girls. So I, I think that was definitely an advantage. And then just being a part of a team my whole life. You know, my dad was a basketball coach, and my mom uh, was a huge sports fan, uh, you know, from Montreal. So we, we had hockey in our lives and, and basketball to get, get us through the winters. And then, you know, baseball all summer long and, and kickball in the backyard. So I think it introduced me not only to sports but to fandom. And really the vocabulary of sports at a young age, and that's kind of what helped steer me towards the play-by-play side of things. Joined by Beth Mowens here on Inside the Clubhouse, I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine, and later today at 3 o'clock, Beth will become the first woman to serve as a play-by-play announcer for the Cubs against the Rockies on the Marquee Sports Network. And, Beth, you have done this before in terms of blazing a trail that nobody else has blazed. You've made history with the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, a lot of – a lot of things in your career have been first, and you've done a lot of great uh, work in terms of making strides for women in broadcasting. When you look back and reflect, and I know you still have a long way to go and a lot of games to call, <laughs> what are you proudest of in terms of your career and, and the history that you've been part of? I, I think probably it's, um, you know, you, you, you understand that, that there are a lot of eyes on you, and, and I think I try to focus on the, on the young eyes that, that are on me. And so you want to set a standard. You want to, um, you know, show young kids, uh, and, and I guess in particular young girls, um, that there's a lot of hard work involved, and there, you, you've got to kind of have that go-getter mentality and, and be a little bit aggressive, which isn't always a natural thing for girls to sort of be at the front of the line and to stand out and so I, I hope I'm able to show people hey it's okay to actually you know be be kind of the one that drives the bus and and to be a leader and to be ambitious so those are fine qualities to have and you know I, I hope that you you set a standard you always want to be at your best in the big moments and 
so that that's all about the preparation and the process of of being at your best so that you know from my standpoint I, I want to do everything I can to help my team and to help all of us have a good game and so when you take care of your business and then you can help people get better at their business I, I think that's hopefully something that I've been able to establish on top of having a lot of fun. That, that's the key. It, it's a, it's a game at the end of the day. Beth, uh, you have uh, done uh, college softball for years. You're the voice of college softball on ESPN, but the pace of baseball is so different uh, from um, football and basketball where the, the sport itself generates the play by play with baseball. You have an average of three hours and five minutes of talking baseball, talking about those two teams, conversing with uh, today it'll be JD, your new uh, your new uh, you know co-broadcaster on Cub Baseball on the Marquee Network, and uh, just being interesting for three and three hours and five minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. What are the challenges of uh, Major League Baseball and uh, you know being interesting and keeping an audience for those three hours and five minutes? Yeah. Well, the first and foremost, I've been told that some of my best work guys is when I lay out. So I, I'll, t- I'll try a little bit of that from time to time. Um, <laughs> that's always a little easier when there are fans involved and there's, uh, you know, an environment in the ballpark. And hopefully we're going to have that real soon. But, you know, I, I think it- it's similar in terms of the preparation of, you know, jot- jotting down a few nuggets about interesting conversations that I might have with J.D., you know, um, is the top four in the rotation set? Uh, how many lefties do you think they'd like to have in the bullpen? You know, t- tell us a little bit about the process. You know, a guy like Shelby Miller added a pitch in the offseason. You-, you can't just Google how to throw a nasty uh, slider. So how, let, maybe we have a conversation one half inning about what that, what that means to actually try and add something to your arsenal. And then I also think, you know what, it, you're, you're not in just a baseball vacuum. I'm sure today we'll touch on, you know, who, who's your pick for the Illinois Loyola Chicago game tomorrow, because that's probably on the minds of a lot of people watching the game today, you know, in, in the NCAA tournament. So I, I think you try and find those moments where you can take a deep dive into some analytics when it pertains to a particular batter uh, spring training. Obviously you're talking a lot of big picture stuff. So that, that generates conversations. And then, you know, I, we're also fans, so I think we try and just rely on our instincts about if I'm sitting on the couch at home right now, what, what am I interested in hearing about or what conversations am I having with my buddies right now? You know, Beth, I have to ask, and you're obviously going to have these conversations, and, and it's, it's, a broad, it's much broader that you just described than just calling the game in front of you. How comfortable are you in terms of the Cubs culture, you know, because it's so steeped in tradition and, and from the outside looking in, what, what are some things that have stood out over the years that uh, either you're aware of or, or that you um, appreciate? And, and I have to ask you this, too. Part of that is Joe Madden, a fellow Lafayette College graduate. Did, yes. you, have a, did you have a connection with Joe and a relationship <laughs> with the guy who played football at Lafayette before you were a point guard there? <laughs> Uh, we knew of each other, and we, we have texted from time to time. Um, uh, Joe was a little bit older than me, uh, so uh, yeah. we didn't really cross paths a, a whole lot. But, you know, I think part of it is utilizing 
um, utilizing contacts like that. So, for example, you know, uh, Jim Deshays and I ha- have a contact through his beloved Lemoyne College. That's where my dad and my brother went. You know, when I'm working with Ryan Dempster, a fellow Canadian, uh, you, you find moments or, or connections like those to, um, you know, build a little chemistry and, and make things as conversational as you can. And then also, you know, part of my research is tapping into friends that I have uh, here in Chicago, an, an Adam Amin or a Sarah Spain or, or my buddy Jill Pizzotti, who was on Doug Bruno's staff at DePaul and, and is a big Cubs fan. So you, you, you try and utilize your friends in the business to, to dive into the culture a little bit. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're wary of other friends, you know, like a Jason Benetti who suggested I talk a lot about the South Side. I, I immediately <laughs> recognize that as a trap. Um, (laughs) and so, you know, I, I, I think, I think humor and I think having fun and, and, uh, you know, great advice I got from Boog Shambi as well. Uh, when I talked to Boog yesterday, don't, don't try and fake the fact that, you know, everything about the Cubs. I, I don't, and I'm, I'm learning a lot as I go along what, what I know of what my base and my foundation is, you know, what, what the rest of America knows about how special this place is about Mr. Cub, about Ron Santo about Rhino. You know, you, you know a, a little bit about what has gone on here. You know how significant you know the the World Series was in 2016, and and you you kind of grow from there. And and that's how I'm I'm going to approach it and and try and at least provide the passion and joy that that Cubs fans um, you know bring to the table as well. The beauty of you becoming uh, an announcer for the Cubs is because knowing Mike McCarthy and Mike Santini, uh, they hired the best announcer to do this job. Uh, the, the, the fact that you're a woman is just a uh, sidebar to the whole thing. And, and getting over um, the idea that uh, you know, this is a novelty and that you are the announcer is, is the cool thing. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, you know, Susan Waldman's uh, been a great friend of mine for for 35 years, and she she is you know sick and tired of being called every time there's a woman issue in sports and uh, mm-hmm. being ignored from time to time about the fact that she's an expert when it comes to baseball. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think we're getting closer um, to that day, and and. You know, I, I'm grateful to everybody at, at Marquee and, and in the Cubs organization for not asking why, but asking why not. Why why not use use Beth? Why not use uh, somebody who's sort of outside the box but ha- has a lot of experience as a sportscaster? And, and obviously Susan is the trailblazer in all this, and, and it's great to see a, a lot of other women involved. And my good friend Jessica Mendoza, I, I spoke with her yesterday, and Quite frankly, guys, you know, it, it's minor league baseball has become a tremendous pathway for a lot of young play-by-play announcers, male or female, because a minor league team, and, and I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, we'll, we'll still be able to have the money available for, for local radio and TV announcers. It's a great pathway with a lot of reps all summer long uh, to put the work in. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think people look at Doris Burke anymore as a female NBA announcer. She's just an NBA announcer. And I, and I think we're really, really close to that in just about every other sport too. 
That's great, Beth. Have fun today. Appreciate your time this morning, and I think that uh, people are going to be in for a treat when you get into the booth this afternoon on the Marquee Sports Network, 3 o'clock, Cubs Rockies. Thanks for your time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate being in the clubhouse with you. Enjoy it. Beth, enjoy it. Yep, Beth Mowens, who will do uh, the Cubs-Rockies game later today. Bruce, we have plenty of other things to get to in the 10 o'clock hour. We'll wrap up some Cubs thoughts when we come back. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. You know, I don't want to underestimate the pitching core that we have. I think we've got um, some some sneaky good pitchers that maybe not are on the radar, but, um, you know, there's 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 definitely a, a, a willingness to be great from that group. And, um, you know, I'm seeing more depth than I thought we had from some of the pickups in the offseason to, to these guys' performance and, you know, even sending some of these guys down. There's there's um, there's a lot of talent here on the pitching side. But, yeah, I mean, like if you looked at our team and what our strengths should be, I think offense offensively should, should um, be our strength. But I also thought that last year. To be honest with you, and and, and pitching pitching carried the day, carried us to a to a central title. So uh, 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 so I'm I'm you know we never know. It's baseball. And we'll see how this this whole thing shakes out. We're back with more inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back to Chicago Sports Radio 6-7. The score of David Hall with Bruce Levine and Bruce was the voice of David Ross. He had a conversation with him via Zoom on Friday versus the pitching versus defense or offense and which is it going to be the, the element that carries this Cubs team the furthest this season. I know it's early. I know it's mid-March, 12 days of opening day, but, but what do you see when you look at this Cubs team in terms of projection? Which will be stronger? I, I got to think it's it's the offense, isn't it? Isn't this going to be a team that, if they're going to be successful, it's going to be because the, their main guys figure out a way to become more dangerous hitters than they have been, and that will offset any sort of concerns you have with this pitching rotation? Well, David, you're going to have to score runs. But uh, no team wins without good pitching. We know that. Uh, nobody, nobody. You might sneak out a division by – being a little bit more offensive and uh, and out outscoring the opposition more more often, winning 88 games or something like that. But you're not going to advance in the playoffs without good pitching. It's it's going to have to be there. But the offense has to be at least decent. I mean, it was so heavy pitching uh, last year as far as the success of the team. You know, a 220 batting average, uh, which was 27th in baseball for the Cubs, uh, an OPS. That was uh, that was ranked 20th in baseball uh, with guys that are you know career eight 800 to 900 plus uh, OPS guys that that has to change and I, I think it. there's a lot of optimism yeah, it, yeah see, there's a lot that, of optimism that's, that it's going to change I think the pitching goes without saying almost every year baseball's about pitching just like football is about defense it's hard to win without it but when you look at the Cubs. I think you're so fed up as a fan and watching them from the from the offense underperforming, the offense being broken, which is a soundbite that still applies and is two years old, for goodness sakes. You want to look at the season and think, okay, you have pitching concerns. The bullpen's uncertain. The rotation's rebuilt. But all these things could become p- 
uh, tolerable and you can survive. I don't, and I don't know about going deep in the playoffs. I just think about contending in the division first step first. But if your offense is fixed and the guys who you expect to hit the way they can have shown they can back when in the heyday, everything else will feel like it's less of a weakness and you'll get by and get to where you need to go and be competitive. So it starts to me with fixing an offense that's been broken for too long. Yeah, agreed, David. And, uh, you know, just the idea that um, you're looking at um, a team that has failed in September for numerous years in a row uh, offensively, having had big leads and and given them up, uh, that's a concern for the offense continuing to be productive all year long. When you look at the Cubs' uh, roster construction, David Ross also talked about debating between a four- and five-man bench. You, know, you, can, you can have 26 on your opening day roster. Because of what we just talked about, do you think that there's, there's, he's leaning one way or another? As far as the extra men go? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be between four and five. They have to decide whether they want uh, – you know, nine pitchers, or they can get by with eight. There's some off days early on where they're contemplating taking eight bullpen guys and having uh, five guys uh, for the uh, for for the backups. Because uh, David, you know, they're back to pinch hitting for the pitcher again. Uh, right. No DH in the National League, so you need that extra guy. You need somebody that can come off that bench. And you're also playing with two less guys. Last year the roster uh, was uh, was 28. Uh, this year it's it's 26, so um, there are, there are a lot of concessions and a lot of things that uh, National League uh, managers are going to have to get used to. A lot of things still to play out in the final couple weeks of spring training, both sides of town. We've been talking Cubs. We're going to switch gears and go to the White Sox when we come back. We're going to talk to our old pal Rich King, who for years was a fixture on WGN and now is out working with WhiteSox.com. He has seen a lot of the Sox in Glendale. Looking forward to talking to him next on Inside the Clubhouse here at Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Start your day on The Score with Molly and Hall, live at 5. For Chicago. From Chicago. They're live and local, covering the Bears, Cubs, Sox, and Blackhawks. Molly and Hall, delivering the sports stories that matter to Chicago. Mornings 5 to 9, only on Sports Radio, 670 The Score. A radio.com sports station. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.